0: I'm going to read Joshua chapter one, verses one to nine, and then verses 16 to 18. In your Bibles here, it's going to be starting on page 199. So that's Joshua chapter one, verses one to nine. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and the Lebanon as far as the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory no one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not fail you or forsake you be strong and courageous For you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we continue from verse 16. They answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your orders and disobeys your words, whatever you command shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And is going to come up now.
1: Let's bow our heads. Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, Lord, we ask that you would break the hardness of our hearts and our stubbornness And open our minds to be strong and very courageous. Build us up in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. But as you're aware, we're on a series, and uh, it's Heroes of the Faith. And we have reached Joshua this week, and we're going to have a look through his life. And if I can get my machine up, working, functioning doing things you might be able to see a few things this month on the 6th it was the 75th anniversary of d-day which was deliverance day for europe and uh, there were celebrations held uh, down in portsmouth you may remember donald trump was over the president of france macron was over and lots of people came to discover what was all about and to remember the sacrifices made it was the invasion of europe deliberate from the most evil regime and it needed a mighty invasion to eject the criminals of the wicked nazi regime no compromise total surrender now those who watched that on the uh, morning of uh, the 6th of june uh, which was interesting uh, were reminded of the beaches around what was called sword and juno where the british uh, forces landed And on the couch being interviewed was this gentleman. The one on the left is also the one on the right. The one on the left, his name is Harry Billinge, an ex-sapper. Royal engineers for those that don't understand military speak. On the left, he's 93 years old. And on the right, he's 18 years old. Which is the age he was on D-Day and went across uh, to France and landed. And he said these words. My generation saved the world and I'll never forget any of them. Don't thank me and don't say I'm a hero. I'm no hero. All the heroes are dead and I'll never forget them as long as I live. 93. This story is about a hero, a war hero indeed, Joshua. And uh, here he is surveying the Canaan, uh, the Promised Land, and he was commander of the Lord's Army. Now he kept a war diary, and he also, as we saw in the video clip, created memorials. Don't forget—that's the point. Make sure we write down so that the next generation gets to hear about it. Now, I served out in Bosnia in an operation, uh, and my general was me- uh, Major General Mike Jackson, uh, who eventually commanded the whole of the British Army, and. Uh, He arranged and organised what every military commander has done since time immemorial, a war diary, be written. And I contributed to that war diary as a a member of his staff. We all uh, pitched in. And I kept my own personal diary. I still have it at home. And Daria has read it and nobody else has bothered reading. But anyhow, it's certainly, I look back on it occasionally. And it's uh, interesting to look back and see things from a different perspective. Now, the narrator of this book, because it was written after Joshua was dead, had chosen his incidents very carefully. And he gave an honest account of what went on. And quite often, he recorded the failure as much as the successes. Battles are mentioned, but actually, the detail is very light on the tactics. Jericho, for instance, the actual fighting is in one verse only, Although it talks about walking around and all. But the actual battle bit is just one verse. Verse 21 of chapter 6. And it's got 24 chapters. And yet that spans 40 years. And Joshua. And here old folk remember this. Joshua was 70 at the start of the book. He died at 110. So don't think at age 70 you're washed up. There's plenty to do yet in life. Because God has always got something for each one of us. But the first part of the bible of the chapters cover the invasion of canaan chapters one to four and the the narrator is looking very carefully at the spiritual preparation and incidents because you see the way he's written the book he's showing us not just the battles and the, uh, the fights and so on but he's more interested in a relationship between god and his people and that they should obey him and serve him faithfully and uh, so the first part is how they actually get in here he's surveying it between him and canaan is is the river jordan he's got to get over there successfully then he's got to get organized and get out of there the next bit leads on to the liberation of the country and taking it forward and then he's finally got to once he's cleared the enemy away what do you do you must then occupy the territory. And he must then uh, look after it and bring peace to its conclusion. And of course, this is exactly, you can see the chapters listed there, this is exactly what he did through that time. Why? Why was the book of Joshua written? Well, if it hadn't been written, we wouldn't have known that Israel actually owned Israel. We talk about the promised land. We call it Israel. Modern Israel would not have existed had Joshua not crossed the Jordan. That was the claim being laid to it. You see, 430 years before Joshua got there, his family lived in the promised land. God had promised it to Abram, then to Isaac, then to his son Jacob and his sons, all 12 of them. But of course, they then had to go down to Egypt because of the famine. 430 years later, they were now back the other side. And the land that they rightfully owned was occupied by all kinds of wicked practices. Child sacrifice, murder, extortion. And God had said, I want to cleanse that lot and get you back in where you belong. I've promised this hundreds of years ago and I'm going to fulfill it. And modern Israel today owes its existence to Joshua claiming that land then. Despite Hitler's extermination of the Jews and attempts to prevent it and subsequent occupations. But this for Joshua is D-Day. The invasion is about to begin. He will then move on. He will then start to take the country across and liberate it. He'll then occupy it. And so that's the story that we're going to follow through the life of Joshua. I'm going to keep comparing a little bit to Europe and D-Day Now, there is one lady here who was alive at that time, and um, she, I'm sure, only remembers a few details of it, but there aren't probably any others in the room who remember it for a fact themselves, although maybe, like me, your fathers may have told you the story. But Fortress Europe, as you can see in the red, was taken by the Nazis, every single country except Switzerland. And countries like Spain were allied with them. And on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, this was the colour of Europe. So apart from Sweden and Switzerland, everywhere else was occupied. The Russians were pushing in from the east, and from the south, the Allies had retaken parts of Italy. But there was no way they could actually get forward at speed. So the Russians said to Churchill and others, you've got to land, you've got to get onto the continent, you've got to liberate You're half from the West, and they agreed to do so. So what lies ahead? How do you do it? Well, what they have to do first is appoint a leader who is going to do it. And uh, as you might know, you may recognize the two characters. If you don't, on the left is General Dwight D. Eisenhower, commander of the American forces. They were larger than anybody else's and more wealthy, and therefore uh, they had to decide between him and the guy on the right, who is, of course, the British general, Bernard Montgomery. And it was decided there could only be one leader one plan would work and that was eisenhower's plan so they appointed the leader and recognized him and so they had to do a few other activities to get over and invade uh, the uh, the the beaches of normandy well similarly joshua had to be appointed as a leader there had to be one leader and moses in uh, in the uh, wilderness did just that he commissioned joshua And on the side of the Jordan, he commissioned and encouraged him and strengthened him to say that this is your leader. One of the greatest generals, and when I was at Sandhurst, we were taught that this was uh, one of the best uh, persons to give teaching and example and leadership, was uh, General later Field Marshal, Sir Bill Bill Slim, who fought the Japanese back through Burma and uh, uh, later on. And he said this, No man is a leader until he is ratified, that is confirmed, in the minds and hearts of his men. In other words, you can't just have a leader and nobody accepts him. It's a bit like Boris Johnson, I suppose, at the minute. But anyhow, you get the drift. Everybody needs to accept the leader if we're going to get a working um, state or, or army to fight forward. So Joshua was in that place and was appointed leader. But it's interesting to see how Joshua became a leader. And of course, somewhere like Sandhurst takes great emphasis on how do you train a leader? How do you build leaders? And this is applicable just for the church. And many people say, well, you're born a leader. That is rubbish. You're born a baby. That's not a leader. But through education, through training, and through coaching and example, you can build a leader and that's what uh, Bill Slim said leaders are made more often than they're born and Joshua from a young age was recognised in his late twenties he was looked at by Moses and it was identified here's someone in whom the spirit of leadership, an eagerness a willingness to help and be a leader and so Joshua was Moses' aid since youth it says when Moses went up to get the 10 commandments who went with them you're saying nobody you're wrong joshua was with him when he came down he then lived in a little tent outside the camp so he get a bit of peace and quiet and talk to god when moses left the tent joshua stayed there he copied moses now if you're going to become a leader If you're going to become a preacher, if you're going to become a pastor, if you're going to become a Sunday school leader, if you're going to become an attendant in any way, you need to learn by copying. You need a mentor. You need someone who's bigger, better, and more knowledgeable than you about what you're trying to study. Whatever that is, and learn from them. And if they can bring you under your wing and coach you, you will be a much better trained person for whatever task God lays in front of you. And that's exactly what Joshua did. He learned leadership by modeling on Moses. We need a good model. And so in Hebrews, the Bible tells us to imitate the faith of our leaders. You don't imitate their bad points. You don't imitate their funny gestures, their funny walk. Do you know, I knew a flute player. I was a flute player. And I knew a flute player. And he studied under the great James Galway, Sir James Galway. And um, this, this guy was about 18 or 19. He went off to Berlin to copy and study him. Well, he came back with a bit of a big belly and a funny, silly laugh like James Galway had. And I thought, no, no, that's not... You've got to learn how to play the flute, son, not, <laughs> not imitate the wrong things. And so must we. We must imitate, but we must imitate the right things. And it's the faith. It's the knowledge and the uh, information that they have to build their lives on. But the first thing you've got to do, and I see two former intelligence uh, officers in the room at the moment uh, uh, within the British Army, and uh, the first thing you need is intelligence. If you don't understand where you're going, if you don't know the way ahead, you're not going to get there. You need reconnaissance, you need somebody to go ahead of you. What's the first thing Joshua did? Well, he sent the spies into Jericho, and they went to Rahab's house, and they checked what's the morale like? They're quaking in their boots how do we get there was a neat little way around actually that they don't know we got back that way and so the lie of the land the understanding of the culture and the morale is so important and you know we in the church need that for the community we live in may i say in passing we need to understand english culture british culture european culture we need to understand christian culture and not fall victim to it We need to understand what god's word says not what people imitate we need to get beneath it anyhow enough of the reconnaissance and intelligence but it's so important joshua got his intelligence from keeping the law following what moses said in other words he learned to read his bible and we grow by the intelligence god gives from his word It says meditate on it day and night. That is the way to grow. Personal devotion is the way forward. It says that Joshua studied and had discipline. Let me just quote some verses. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. Early in the morning Joshua camped with his people. 6 verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning and priests took up the ark of the Lord. Seven sixteen. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes. Eight verse ten. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his army. Is there a theme coming out from some of these verses? When should you read your Bible and meet with God? Early in the morning. That sets the day before you get up, move, and get contaminated. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's exactly what Joshua learned. And of course, Jesus did exactly the same. Mark's gospel we read very early in the morning. While it was still dark, which for us today would be about 3.30 a.m. Because by 4 it's light. So um, believe me, I've been there. Uh, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place to pray. That is what we need to do ourselves. Learn prayer and study of the Bible. And rise to meet God early. But then of course. Invasion. Once you've got your plans. Has to get forward. You've got to move across. In this case you would to move across water. And so God was going to lift up Moses. And he was going to make them go across. And safely bring them into the promised land. Now. The D-Day, they crossed water as well. There were 5,000 Royal Naval ships, there were aircraft galore with parachute drops and so on, and an armada that was going across. But was the weather right? Well, it wasn't the first day or the next. There was some problem about the weather. Would it happen at all? At one point, Eisenhower was given information from, uh, I think it was a group captain, I think, about the weather, and he had to make the decision, go or no go. And he said go let's take the risk do you know every day for a christian is just like that you take a risk when you walk out and share your faith you take a risk you don't know what the reaction will be but that is what faith is about and that's what Moses, that's what joshua exercised having learned it from moses and these people it says were commended for their faith and jesus simply said have faith in god we need to learn those lessons But moving on, the uh, book of Joshua then takes him through the second phase of operations. Because having got your foothold into Normandy, where do you go next? It's a big continent. And so you have to take your steps towards liberation. You've got to move out and you've got to fight the battles. You can't stay cuddled up on a beach. You've got to move off. The first thing you've got to do is that you've got to secure the bridgehead. You don't want to be there the next morning and all the rest of them push you back into the sea. The second thing is that beyond that, you've then got to move forward and you've got to develop your opportunities. And uh, so that had to happen. And then you get into the main battle campaigns. That's how you liberate the continent. That's how Joshua liberated his country. And the first challenge ahead was, it was a dirty big city, just a mile or two from the beach he had landed on. Now he went off and made camp just a few miles away. But that city was called Jericho. And it wasn't Joshua's first battle. It wasn't the first time he had fought anything. When he was in his late 20s, coming out of Egypt, the Amalekites came at Israel and hammered them. And Joshua was put in command of the army. He probably was 29 or 30. And he then fought them back. Moses held his hands in prayer. And as he raised his hands, the battle went their way. And Joshua defeated them. As a youngster, he learnt battle. And he learnt how to defeat the enemy. That's of course the way the British army and every army in the world trains. From junior lieutenants or junior corporals, they learn the skill and art of war and learn how to fight. And then they grew up to become major commanders. And so we need to secure the bridgehead. Uh, We need to be faithful in small things. You learn things young, you learn them small. And of course Jesus said, be faithful in small things. I will give you big tasks to do. You want to become a church pastor? Well then first, learn how to lead a Sunday school class of three people. You want to become a uh, leading light in the community? Well, then first learn service. Service to serve to lead is the motto of Sanders. You've got to learn service in, other, in, other, in, in order to grow and develop and mature. And so Joshua learnt it at a young age. Right, time for questions. Does anyone recognize this bridge? Shout it out if you know the name of it, or I'll settle for. Where it is. Sick. Thank you. John Frost Brugge, and it's in Arnhem, Arnhem in, in uh, uh, Holland, on the way crossing the River Rhine. This is the John Frost Bridge. And it's too easy that once you've defeated the enemy in Jericho, or in the case of the Allies, in Kong, which took them a couple of months actually that you then say right let's just push on straight up this road we'll get to every bridge we'll cover them all and we'll do the battle and the way monty put it is we'll be in berlin before christmas this was coming up september by the way well uh, that was ambitious let's put it that way but just as the allies started to get a bit overconfident, and then realized something hit them like the battle of the bulge to push them back so We too as Christian believers can often get overconfident and Joshua did as well. What happened is that in the time that they went to fight in Jericho, one of the Israelites was unfaithful. He stole what didn't belong to him. The Lord had said, get rid of everything. He kept something for himself. And so much so that when they came to fight the next city, the report came back, it's only a small place, just send a couple of thousand, we'll win it easily. And they were hammered because they had lost the battle. They had allowed sin to get into their lives and they become overconfident. And that's a real tragedy when Christian believers become overconfident in their own efforts. I can preach any day. I've done it so many times. No, you can't, mate. Every day is a new day. You need to be on your knees and in tears. I can do that. I can always ministry. I can take a Sunday school class. No, you can't without tears, prayer, and hard work everything demands that the same humility the same humble walk day by day that every day is a new day every day is a school day as we say we're learning all the time but we must come fresh before god and not attempt anything in our own strength but allow his strength through the holy spirit to do it joshua had to repent and to go back to the lord to cry to him and, and was told Get back on your get back on your feet. I will. Uh, they they dealt with the situation. They dealt with the sin, and he said, God said, I'll take you forward. And of course, in the New Testament, Paul chastises one of the churches in Galatia, because he says, Look, having begun in the Spirit, you're now trying to complete your Christian life by the flesh—that is, by your own efforts. We must beware that trap, and Joshua fell into it. But then Joshua planned the next campaigns. He had to push his army forward. And this is a fairly simple point. What he did, if you look at the map here, he first went across, that's Jericho there, he then went across and dealt with the towns around the centre. Then he went south and had what's called the southern campaign. This is quite convenient, because all these cities in the south ganged up against him. So it was just one big battle at Ijalun, and that was it. He destroyed them and then mopped up thereafter. And having done that and forced all his efforts there he turned north and did exactly the same and guess what they all ganged up again on him and of course one battle solved the whole problem and off he went do you see that he concentrated his effort now if you saw on the map of the Allies in uh, in Europe they started to split because the armies had to move different directions the British went north the Americans went east Uh, That's my east, your west, that's east. And then the uh, French and the Americans went south and they split their efforts. But Joshua had to concentrate his efforts. Christians are bad at that. We have got lots of irons in the fire. To the point sometimes where it's all iron and no fire. And we must be careful in our decisions of what we commit to. There are so many myriad things out there we would love to do and we, we want to get involved. I could get into local politics. I could be a governor of school. I, I could be the chair of that industry over there. I could. Do, and we find it's all iron and no fire. If you don't focus on your Christian growth and spiritual work, and if you don't focus on the work of your church and your fellowship, your house group, it'll be all iron and the fire will go down. And so... We are warned too, Paul warned um, Timothy, look, fight the good fight of faith. He was saying focus on righteousness, godliness, faith and love. That should be your focus. Not all the uh, tittle tattle that goes on in the church. Particularly if you read the whole book, you'll see where I'm coming from in that one. But of course, that was just the battle. They had finished the battles and it's all over. We've knocked Berlin out and that's it finished oh no it's not this is what happened after the war i'm not going to ask for a show of hands but i wonder how many of you like me out in baor the british army of occupation of the rhine or british army over the rhine and what happened to germany was this that the russians came in from the east took this part of germany the british came in from the north took that part The Americans from the south and east and took that part, and the French were given the uh, rear areas, and there was some arrangement made over the Tsar land. Not just that, having defeated them that way, and Poland and Czechoslovakia having been invaded, the Russians also took parts of what was Germany, because these yellow bits were once Germany, and Poland was given all these parts. Actually, Poland was moved west. And so Germany was occupied and divided that there could be no possibility that Nazism could ever arise again from the embers. And of course, Joshua had to do exactly the same task. How do you complete things in this? Two tasks. One is divide and occupy. And then the second is to establish permanent peace. This is quite interesting. The Cold War enemies gathered together and for many years this happened. Now from D-Day... The invasion of Germany and the end of the war was just over a year. From the end of the war to the reunification of Germany was over 40 years. 1989, the Berlin Wall came down and the east and west parts of Germany were eventually reunited. It takes a long time. NATO then was formed and the Berlin Wall and everything was taken down. This is what happened with Joshua. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Not one of their enemies withstood them. They took possession of the land. And Joshua was warned to continue that way. You see, it's possible to win the war and lose the peace. Our soldiers entered Iraq in the 1990s. And we won the battles for the war. We then promptly lost the peace we've still lost the peace in that country in syria it's the same we lost the peace actually in bosnia where 11,000 british soldiers served at one point we actually stopped the war and that country is now frozen in time with a solution to stop the war if you go and ask the locals there is no peace there's a great difference between real peace and an absence of war and joshua finished his life and this is the last slide to say be very strong be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law and he then addressed the tribes and said look choose you this day whom you will serve you've got a choice you can go back to your old ways and your old gods and your old silly ambitions and selfishness or you can continue to serve god and the Peace will continue and the rest from all your labours. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that your heart? Is that your thought? That was Joshua's. I think that's it. Because Jesus said these words, occupy until I come. We must embed the peace. The peace of God doesn't come by shouting at someone, May the peace of God be upon you. It comes when they convert to Christ, when they receive Jesus into their hearts and lives and are changed from the inside out. And then the peace of God comes into someone's heart. Just a thought and conclusion. The story of the Bible, like the story of Joshua, is a much bigger picture than just what you see. The story of the Bible is actually the story of how God took his people, brought them out, but then through that people brought the Prince of Peace himself into place, Jesus. Can you see Jesus in this story? Well, we've got a mighty warrior who creates victory, who deals with the enemies, and who brings peace, the Prince of Peace. But I don't know if you're aware that Joshua wasn't born Joshua. His name was Hoshea when he was born. And Hoshea means I'm saved pretty well. Moses changed his name, he changed it from Hoshea to Jehoshua. Jehoshua, which means Savior of others. Joshua in Aramaic is Yeshua. Do you now know who I'm talking about? In Aramaic, Yeshua in English is translated as Jesus. Joshua is the Hebrew form of Jesus. That character that brought that in is the same one who can bring us out of sin, can defeat the enemy within our hearts, can liberate us for service, and can lead us into the tranquil paths and lead us into rest in future. Harry at the start said, I'm no hero. And you may look at the life of Joshua like me and say, well, I'm no hero if that's what Joshua is and that's what it takes to be a hero. God's answer is, oh, yes, you are. Joshua was told, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What were the last words of Jesus? Jesus. Lo, I am with you wherever you go. And furthermore, Joshua was told in the first chapter that was read to us, the first part of it, three times, be strong and courageous. Three times. Why? Well, obviously, he wasn't feeling strong and certainly didn't feel courageous. I'm no hero. You're no hero. But in God's eyes, yes, you are. Because I am with you, even unto the end of the world. And if you've got the power of God in your life, then what's the difference? Somebody once uh, um, uh, read, read a verse that Paul said, and it said, I can do all things. And then the verse stopped at that point and looked at it saying, Paul, you're off your mind. I can do all things. Who do you think you are? And then he turned the page over. And it said, through Christ who strengthens me. And he laughed and said, well, sure can't I do the same myself. Through Christ, we can do all things. We can serve. We can uh, be his uh, faithful soldier and servant. We can grow in discipleship. We can overcome sin. We can overcome temptation. He can bring victory through soul winning and evangelism. He can bring others into the kingdom that you can do through you, through me. That is what he calls each of us to. You might not feel you're a Joshua, but dare I say it, you're on exactly the same side with the same God and the similar type of battles. And he's called each one of us to serve.